Hey everyone, I'm Ray Belli, and this is Words for Granted, a podcast that looks at how words change over time. If you value this podcast as a free educational resource, you can support the show by making a monthly donation at patreon.com slash wordsforgranted. Thanks to Deborah, Eleanor, and Wei for their recent contributions. I've been posting one bonus episode per month on Patreon these days, and the latest patrons-only episode explores collateral adjectives. Collateral adjectives are when an adjective and the noun it describes come from two different root words, such as regal and king, lactic and milk, and coronary and heart, among many others. If Patreon's not your thing, but you still want to support the show, you can make a one-time donation at paypal.me slash wordsforgranted. Okay, let's get into today's episode, part four in a series on math terms. In the previous episode in this series, we looked at the etymological relationship between the words parabola, which is a U-shaped curve, and parable, which is a short story used to teach a moral lesson. The details of that relationship are complicated and long-winded, so I'm not going to recap the full story here. But I will state the obvious. Parabola is a math term, and parable is a literary or rhetorical term. It's an odd pair of etymological siblings since the meanings of these words seem so unrelated. If you're a regular listener of this show, or just familiar with etymology in general, then you know that it's not uncommon for semantically dissimilar cognates to evolve over time. But, as we saw at the end of the last episode, parabola is not the only math term to have a semantically unrelated literary-slash-rhetorical twin. There are also hyperbola and hyperbole, and ellipse and ellipsis. A coincidence? I think not. Let's start with definitions. A hyperbola is a set of two mirrored curves, and a hyperbole is an extreme exaggeration. An ellipse is an oval shape, and an ellipsis is a trailing off of speech represented in writing with three periods. These are simplified definitions that we'll elaborate on soon, but before we do that, I want to tell you at a high level why this unique trio of unlikely math-slash-literary word pairs exists in the first place. The word pairs parabola, parable, hyperbola, hyperbole, and ellipse, ellipsis all derive from ancient Greek words parabole, hyperbole, and ellipsis, respectively. Let's focus on the mathematical halves of these word pairs parabola, hyperbola, and ellipse. These aren't a grab bag of random math terms. They're all conic sections. To refresh on some freshman geometry, a conic section is a geometric curve that's created by the intersection of a plane, aka a flat two-dimensional surface, with a cone. Parabolas, hyperbolas, and ellipses were all explored in depth by the Greek mathematician Apollonius of Perga in the 2nd century CE in his work, The Conics, and he's the guy that gave these curves their names. However, he didn't invent the names for these curves out of thin air. The terms parabole, hyperbole, and ellipsis existed in 
Pythagorean mathematics prior to Apollonius's time, but they had different meanings in the Pythagorean context. Like Apollonius, Pythagoras also didn't invent these words out of thin air. He borrowed these words from the contemporary Greek lexicon of his time and applied them in a new mathematical context. The introduction of these words into mathematical jargon didn't push their non-mathematical senses out of usage, which explains why, in modern English, the names for each of these conic sections also have etymological doublets that are completely unrelated to math. By the way, English is not the only language that contains derivatives of these ancient Greek math terms. Most European languages do, and so do many non-European languages influenced by Western culture. In many of these other languages, the derivatives of the ancient Greek parabole, hyperbole, and ellipsis exist as single words that encompass both senses of the distinct word pairs in English. For example, in French, the word for both parable and parabola is parabole. The word for both ellipse and ellipsis is ellipse. And the word for both hyperbole and hyperbola is hyperbole. That may have been a lot of abstract information to take in, so let me recap. Parabolas, hyperbolas, and ellipses are all conic sections, and they were all worked on by the same ancient Greek mathematician, Apollonius of Perga. Apollonius wasn't the first mathematician to work on these conic sections, but he was the first to work on them extensively, and he invented the terms that we now use to describe them. Parabola, hyperbola, and ellipse. He didn't invent new words for these curves out of whole cloth, but instead appropriated existing Greek words for a new specific mathematical purpose. The meanings associated with these words before Apollonius borrowed them into the context of conic sections accounts for the existence of the non-mathematical meanings of parable, hyperbole, and ellipsis that we still have today. Okay, with that high-level picture in place, let's start exploring the individual words. Hyperbole, hyperbola, ellipsis, and ellipse. Since we covered parable and parabola in the previous episode, let's pick up with the ancient Greek word hyperbole, the single word from which hyperbola and hyperbole both derive. Hyperbole comprises the roots hyper, meaning over, above, beyond, or in excess, and bole, meaning a throwing. Thus, hyperbole literally meant an overthrowing or overshooting. This root, Hyper, or hyper, is indeed where we get the modern English word hyper from. As it turns out, hyper, meaning overly energetic, is a relatively recent shortening of the compound word hyperactive. This root exists as a prefix in a handful of common English words, such as hyperdrive and hyperlink, as well as in a lot of medical terms, such as hyperglycema and hyperthermia. The bole in hyperbole, which again means a throwing, is the same bole in parabole, thus making hyperbola and hyperbole cognate with parable and parabola. If you listened to the previous episode, you'll recall that the Greek 
parabole literally meant a throwing aside. In English, we use the word overshoot as a more vivid term for an overestimation or an exaggeration, but the term originally referred to literally shooting past a target. Similarly, ancient Greek speakers saw the potential to extend the literal meaning of hyperbole. From early on, we see a variety of senses associated with the word in the written record, including excess, extremity, superiority, delay, and extravagance, all of which have some clear relation to overdoing or overshooting something. The modern English sense of hyperbole neatly fits into this semantic tree. A hyperbole is a poetic or rhetorical form of exaggeration, usually to make a point more emphatic. Hyperboles function at an emotionally evocative level and are not meant to be taken literally. Hyperboles also occur in everyday speech. In fact, many idioms are hyperbolic in nature. Phrases like, I'm starving, I wanted to kill him, it cost me a million dollars, and so on, are all hyperboles, but in this informal context, we usually just call them exaggerations. So, hyperbole's semantic connection to the original Greek form of the word is pretty straightforward. But what is the semantic connection between hyperbole and hyperbola? Recall that a hyperbola is a set of two curves that are mirror images of one another. These curves are derived from the intersection of a plane with both halves of a double cone. That is, two cones whose apexes, or highest points, meet. Well, the inclination of that intersecting plane relative to the cone's axes is greater than the inclination of the cone's sides relative to their axes. Said in another way, the inclination of the intersecting plane overshoots or exceeds that of the cone's sides, which is why Apollonius chose the word hyperbole, a Greek word that literally meant an overthrowing or an overshooting as the name for this particular set of curves. It's a little hard to explain geometry without a visual reference, so hopefully that verbal explanation makes some amount of sense. If you can, just Google hyperbola conic section and you'll be able to see what I'm talking about with actual shapes. The connection between the words ellipse and ellipsis is a little bit easier to grasp, but before we explore that, Let's hear a quick word from today's sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloTalk. HelloTalk is a new social network app that focuses on language learning. The best way to learn a new language is by actually speaking it. And with HelloTalk, you can connect with native speakers for over 150 languages for free. It's an organic and easy way for you to learn new languages and to share your own language, all while making new friends from all over the world. Instead of relying on a contrived curriculum or homework assignments, HelloTalk allows you to learn a new language by plunging you directly into real-life interactions with native speakers through texts, voice messages, voice calls, and video calls. The app features built-in tools to help with translation, pronunciation, and other corrections in order to help your conversations run smoothly with your new language learning pals. I've never dabbled with learning French before, so I'm currently using HelloTalk to connect with some native speakers in France. I'll let you know how it goes. 
If you're a regular listener of the show, you know that I only really run ads for sponsors whose products I believe in. And I do think Hello Talk is doing something really innovative and worthwhile. You can follow the link in the show notes or go to go.hellotalk.com slash words for granted to sign up for free today. That's a mouthful. So again, it's go.hellotalk.com slash words for granted. You can sign up free today. Okay, back to the show. The ancient Greek word ellipsis, from which both the modern English ellipse and ellipsis derive, is the noun form of elepain, which meant to leave out. Elepsis, then, literally meant something that is left out. The literal senses of elepsis and hyperbole are antonyms, or opposites. An elepsis is a deficiency, while a hyperbole is an excess. Deficiency and excess are at the heart of one of the best-known ideas in Greek philosophy, an idea that you may already be well familiar with, the golden mean. The golden mean is a concept discussed by Aristotle, particularly in the Nicomachean Ethics, that construes virtue as a middle ground between two extremes. For example, Aristotle considers modesty a virtue because it exists in the middle of the spectrum between excess and deficiency. An excess of modesty is shyness, or timidity, while a deficiency of modesty is arrogance or pride. Well, in Aristotle's writings, the original Greek words that he uses for excess and deficiency are none other than hyperbole and elapsis, respectively. Since the usage of hyperbole and elapsis in Aristotle's ethics are neither rhetorical nor mathematical, Translators have had to rely on unrelated words to translate these terms into English, since translating them as hyperbole or ellipsis would make zero sense. Anyway, ellipsis also acquired senses meaning a falling short or omission. Specifically, Greeks used the word ellipsis to refer to the omission of a letter or word from a written text. In modern English, an ellipsis is those three dots used in writing to convey a sense of trailing off, silence, or omission of a word. Although our modern English sense of the word ellipsis has a very clear predecessor in ancient Greek, ancient Greek writers didn't use dot 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 as a grammatical convention in their texts. In fact, ancient Greek texts originally had no punctuation at all. The dot-dot-dot as we know it began to emerge in English during the late 16th century. The word elision, which is a cognate of ellipsis, has a closely related meaning that refers to the omission of one or more sounds in the pronunciation of a word. For example, I say comfortable and family instead of comfortable and family. My pronunciations contain elisions. Elisions also refer to poetic contractions marked by apostrophes, such as apostrophe twas, or heaven, spelled H-E-A-V apostrophe N. So, let's move on from the ellipsis and talk about the ellipse. As already mentioned, an ellipse is an oval-shaped curve, and like the parabola and hyperbola, it's also a conic section that was worked on by our friend, Apollonius of Perga. 
If we need another refresher on the definition of conic sections, they are curves that are produced by the intersection of a plane with a cone. And in the case of the ellipse, it's a conic section in which the inclination of the plane intersecting the cone is less than the inclination of the cone's side. In other words, the inclination of the plane falls short of that of the cone. Recall that the verb form of alapsis literally meant to fall short, so Apollonius's logic behind naming this conic section is pretty self-evident. Similar to the term hyperbole, alapsis did exist in Pythagorean mathematics before Apollonius's time, but Apollonius applied the term to his geometry in a new sense. All right, that's it for today's episode. Again, if you want to support the show, there are bonus episodes released once a month at patreon.com slash wordsforgranted. And there's also the option to make a one-time donation at paypal.me slash wordsforgranted. I assure you, every contribution, no matter how small it is, makes a difference to keeping this show alive. Feel free to write me at wordsforgranted at gmail.com with questions, comments, and concerns. And you can follow the show on Twitter at, at wordsforgranted for etymology of the day posts and other language-related things that pop into my head. Okay, catch you next time here at Words for Granted.